0: Hey, friends, and welcome back once again to Afternoons with Mike Her daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. I've really been looking forward to this particular program and my guest today because it's someone that I've met years ago, or at least I saw years ago. I had a chance to talk with him at a recent event up in the villages at First Baptist Oxford, and that was Buddy Shelton, who happened to be in the audience that night. Buddy is a former pro golfer. And a golf master when it comes to giving these little technique shows that a lot of scrambles will use, churches that put together groups. Buddy gives these uh, demonstrations that are nothing less than amazing. Along with that, he's hilarious. So, Buddy Shelton, it is so great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It is wonderful to also have your wife, Ruth, who's in attendance here in the studio today. And I've, I've looked forward to your coming. The first time, again, I saw you was at a golf scramble. You were there. It was a comedy show, no matter how you want to dice it out. But you use golf and you use your wonderful sense of humor uh, to, to make people <laughs> laugh and then to amaze them with some real skill. You played on the, the uh, PGA Tour for a number of years, right?
1: Yes. The, uh, I was on and off uh, probably for 15 years. The, uh, I say on and off because I would go out there for two or three weeks and uh, try to qualify at each event. Back then, we had to qualify every Monday unless you were in the top 60. Mm-hmm. Then
0: I'd come home and wash cars or whatever to make some money to go back again. Yeah, you were like <laughs> a, a musician who is a starving artist. You were a starving golf player then. Yes. The, uh... <laughs> it is the land of the haves and have nots,
1: right? The, uh, I looked at my old PGA tour badge the other day and of course everybody's ranked and you know, the 125th guy, he, he gets to play every year, the, uh, and
0: everybody under that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: I looked on the back of my badge from 1983, which was my last year on tour and I could. Pretty much figuring out, I wasn't gonna to get to play much because oh. I was six hundred and thirty fourth.
0: Oh on. wow! Okay, <laughs> but you know, you think about that, you were still a scratch golfer at that, right? Yes, and I, I still shoot par golf at eighty years old. So. Oh my goodness! And that just goes to show, does it not, the the level of competition in pro golf? Oh, it's unbelievable! And if you think about it, uh, probably. Four or
1: five thousand guys a year try to qualify. Yeah, and when I went out there, it was uh, 1967, and if you look around at the uh, schools, there was Oklahoma, Wake Forest, Florida, and Houston, and they all had great golf teams, and all those guys went on tour. Nowadays, you can go to a junior college that's in Pocahontas or something other. <laughs> And you'll find six guys that can shoot
0: on par. bar. Isn't that something? And they can't make a living. <laughs> and they can't make a living. That's just yeah. it. It's like the musicians that are in Nashville trying to break in playing music. It's tough. If you get on with a band, that doesn't mean you're going to make it because yeah. most bands break up. And what I'm hearing you say, most pro golfers... Uh, have a difficult time, make a sustaining living out of it. And what's so confusing about that is that we see these names like Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer, and then in in today's world, uh, Tiger Woods, and they, they seem to be perennially on Sundays playing in the tournaments uh, right. on TV. And so it gives this image that, you know, if, if you're there at that level, you're going to be making a ton of money and, and playing lots of golf tournaments. But that's not the case. No. And even back
1: in the 70s, uh, uh, that was the first year that somebody won $100,000. Now a guy win a tournament. He wins $2.5 million for a week. For one week's worth.
0: Yeah. That's not a bad pay. The, I could live off the rest of my life with one win. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. And, and yet these guys win so many times. I forget even how many times Tigers won. I think it's 83 or something, another like that. 83, yeah. So, yeah, he's probably wealthier than most small nations. <laughs> so. That's true. Matter of <laughs> fact, he,
1: I think his net worth finally reached a billion dollars. Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, that's nuts.
1: And the way the, way the government spends money, people don't realize what a billion dollars is. Yeah. But if I gave you a billion dollars in $1 bills
0: and you had to count it before you could spend it, you yeah. would die. You would die. Yeah. yeah. You'd never make it. Right. Yeah, and now we have these bills that are being passed by Congress at what over a trillion dollars? Oh yeah, a thousand billion. That's just nuts. Yeah, and that's way. Those are numbers that I can't even imagine. What was the best golf score that you ever had, buddy? Sixty-two. Wow, that is. I had sixty-two one time, uh, but and, you, you got to play more than holes. That, huh? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. I hit sixty-two before I hit the ninth <laughs> hole, man. <laughs> That's right. You saw that one coming and there's probably not a golf joke that you haven't uh, ever heard before. I've had, I've been privileged to have uh, Wally Armstrong up here and he was on my program. I know, you know, Wally.
1: Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, when you were talking about the masters, I think Wally finished like second or third in the masters
0: years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a good golfer. Yeah, he is. And he's, uh, he worked with another mutual friend of ours, Paul Cook. I know, you know, Paul. And uh, did you meet Paul uh, prior, like, while, the, I, I don't know if he ever played tour or not. I know he was a, uh, like a pro golfer in, um, like a golf course go- pro golfer, but right. uh, did he play the tour? I don't think so. I think he was just always a country club. Like a tour golfer. I yeah. mean, uh, not a tour golfer, but uh, like you said, a country club, a club pro is club what pro. they, yeah. that's what they called him. Yeah. Well, Paul is a, and yet he's a great golfer too. And sure. And, you know, so you have these great golfers scratch for our non-golfing listeners that might be tuning in today that would say, what's a scratch golfer? Well, you're, you're playing par. And so, you know, they have this thing called handicap and, and yet to, I don't know what the handicap has to be. Uh, to play against one of you guys but it would be great (laughs) my handicap is i better i better just kind of ride in the cart and watch you play that's it yeah i watched you play
1: and your handicap is three (laughs) and the three things is woods irons and putter
0: (laughs) thank you very much for that but you're exactly right i happen to play in a scramble at one of those where you might well have been there at the scramble and I, I felt bad for the other three guys that were in our, our foursome, but, uh, everyone in the scramble, as you know, you have to contribute to sure. like what three drives or something you has your, your three drives of from you has to be counted. And so you're playing best ball. And oh my goodness, I came down to the 18th hole. And I, I'd only used two of my drives. The rest of my drives were so horrible that we couldn't even begin (laughs) if we're going to have a chance to win this thing. So the other three guys (laughs) should have just left. They should have (laughs) just left. Well, we were, because they were so good and I was so bad. It came down to that, that 18th hole, buddy. And I had to use my, my, uh, my first drive. So we did, and it wasn't great. I kind of. I, I you know, I'm a I'm a lefty, so uh it was um not a not a slice, it was a bit of a draw which took it away from the hole because there was a dog leg left.
1: Yeah. Wait and, now wait a minute. When you say a draw, was it a country club draw or? <laughs> Our tour draw. Oh, no, it would have been a country. It would have even because uh, <laughs> a, a tour draw is three yards.
0: A country club draw is fifty. <laughs> there you go. I think you're you're talking about a country club draw then, because we were a good distance away, and so all of us had to shoot from there, and I managed to have by God's grace upon me. The best second shot I'd ever had in my life happened on that one. So we used my very poor drive, but then I got up and somehow God and His angels guided that hit, and I made it all the way to the green. Oh, super! On, on that that one, and that was the best golf shot I ever had. And my friend Darren Slack, who was playing in it, who was a um, he's a, a football pro. Uh, He was not a pro player, but he. Makes his living at teaching quarterbacks. He was a hmm. UCF quarterback back in the day in the eighties, and he called that shot the shot that was heard around the world because it, he he'd seen me play too <laughs> all all day long. He'd seen me play, <laughs> and it was ter- I'm terrible, but I really enjoy it. There's something, isn't it wonderful being out on a golf course? There's something about it being outside is always great. Yeah. The,
1: uh, and the thing I like about golf is the aesthetic value of looking at the golf courses. Yeah. And especially today, the golf courses, it used to be that, uh, pebble beach and courses like that was it. And now because of the techniques with the bulldozers and stuff, they can make a pebble beach in your backyard here in Orlando. Right. Yeah. You know. So there's some golf courses out there now that are just so beautiful And uh, a lot of times, uh, Ruth and I, as we travel, I'll stop and play someplace. and Or maybe I had given an exhibition the day before, and I'll stay over and play. And I'll only hit tee shots on the holes that look pretty. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes I'll just go drop the ball in the fairway and uh, hit the shot because the green looks so good, a creek (laughs) coming through and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I like playing the holes that you don't want to play.
0: That's right. And you're good. And you always, with these um, different uh, golf scrambles that you would be at doing your exhibitions, you would always go out and play one hole. I think it's the hole where you can shoot for a a hole in one, like a par three. And it would always be so intimidating for me to be up there getting ready to shoot with you up there. Number one, you're (laughs) hilarious, but you're a pro for crying out loud. And that always... Is intimidating and by itself, but you have a lot of fun doing that. How many years did you do those kind of exhibitions?
1: I started those when I got off the tour, but actually, I started them a few years before. Okay. Probably 1980. And in the 90s, I was doing 90 to 100 uh, exhibitions around the world. Wow. A year. That's great. And you talk now, about play, not to interrupt, but talk uh-huh. about playing a hole with everybody. A uh, sports announcer one time we were sitting, having a lunch and he said, I was doing some figuring. He said, most golf tournaments have a hundred players and you do 90 events. He said, do you realize you play golf with 9,000 people a year? Wow.
0: <laughs> That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, when you're doing those events, and you like you said, you did them around the world.
1: Yeah, so you can imagine all the material I've got from playing with nine thousand guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You've seen nothing, a lot
0: of hooks and draws, man. <laughs> nothing I haven't seen. And
1: talking about your shot on the last hole, the uh, I was playing in a scramble recently, and we needed to get that last drive from the last guy, and every shot he hit. He made contact, but you just never knew where it was going.
0: Yeah, it sounds like me, man.
1: And so we needed his shot. Fortunately, the last hole was a par five. So me and my partners, I knew we could recover as long as we could find his ball. So I gave him a tip. I said, top it
0: just get it five yards and we'll go from there make it to the ladies team man there you go that's it and that's right because you guys could pick it up and knock it a country mile I, that is the most amazing thing watching these you know the pro golfers that are on the tour the way that they consistently hit that ball. It's just amazing. But golf is something. Did you know you were funny even back in the days of during the tour? Your humor had to come out even then, right?
1: Yeah. And it started before then. When I was in the fourth or fifth grade, my mother saved all my uh, report cards. And one of them said, you know, all these C's and D's that Buddy got, if he just wouldn't be clown, the class clown, <laughs> that's right. He might could get a B in there somewhere.
0: That's funny. <laughs> so you were doing it. You were cracking people up back then. Even it's no wonder that you could do it as an adult. But uh, this is something that I know that you do out of your love for the game. But the, the other thing that was so marvelous about you is the, your love for God. How did all of that come about? Uh, I was a Christian in
1: high school, the, uh, but once I went on the tour and things started going together, you know, I drifted away, which a lot of people do mm-hmm, right. the, uh, and, and maybe I don't want to say I drifted away totally cause I've never taken drugs or smoked or I don't cuss and all those kind of things. I don't never had a drink. And so it wasn't that I fell into that. I just, uh, just became active in the world. And mm-hmm. there was other things to do, but I would always end up back in church. And uh, so back in probably, I think when I got uh, 29, 30 years old, uh, I realized that uh, God was everything. And uh, and I don't even like to use the word God. I'm one of these guys that likes to use the word Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is more important than anything. And, and I was even thinking last night, Jesus always comes to mind. And the guy that got hurt playing football last night yeah. actually heart quit on the, right. on the field.
0: Cardiac arrest. Yeah.
1: And I told my wife, I said, that's why we got to evangelize, because you do not know when it's going to happen. That's right. He's 24 years old. 24. Got everything going for him, millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And within seconds, it can all be over.
0: Right. And he's in critical at, at the time of this taping he's still in critical condition, but he's stable and that's good. And so, but yeah, you just never know. None of us do, but so many people, isn't this true? So many people live their life like they are going to live forever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, uh, I, uh, Robert Jeffers, you probably know Jeffers out of Dallas. Mm -hmm. He made a comment uh, one time in church and he said that the day you get saved, if you're not going to evangelize, God
0: needs to just take you out right now.
1: <laughs> and that's that's kind of an interesting statement, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, it's and, a, it's a up in your face statement right there, but yeah. it's true.
1: And and that's kind of the feeling I've got. And I think that, um, and of course, go back to the funny part. You know, people like the golf, but they like the funny part, and. I'm silent, kind of sarcastic, you know. The I think first time you and I met, you played so bad, your prize was tennis balls or something. <laughs>
0: That's, That's right. Fact is, I did win an award. It was called the Most Humble Award. <laughs> That's another way of saying I was the worst golfer out there that day. I think it showed that you were the only person there that didn't lie. <laughs> That's it. I think you might be right there, too.
1: But anyway, the the golf and the humor gets me to meet people that average person doesn't get to meet. I mean, I've, I've met just about every CEO in the Fortune 500 Isn't uh, in my career. And uh, I never fail to put Jesus in my shows, even when I speak and uh, tell jokes at the end of the tournament and everything. I always close it uh, with some scripture and things like that. And, and it's kind of interesting, and I was thinking about it on the way over. People have come to meet the Lord because of hearing something from somebody that's funny and is a golf pro and is not a preacher. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I think that uh, when I started doing my trick shot exhibitions and everything, um, I thought I might have a pulpit by being a tour player. And, of course, I never won anything, so the, the pulpit wasn't there. But God gave me a talent and a gift of playing golf blindfolded and hitting balls with chains, <laughs> yeah. and that gave me a pulpit. Yes, you did. And my theory is if he gives you a pulpit and you know
0: how to talk, you better say something. Right. And he's given us plenty to say in the Word of God, and we're so grateful for it. Buddy Shelton is my guest today. We'll be back with Buddy in a moment you're listening to Afternoons with Mike, and you're on the Shepherd Experience. E.C. Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder E.C. Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back again with my guest today, Buddy Shelton, a pro golfer that is now retired. He lives in the Villages area, and I had the most delightful meeting with him, kind of renewing uh, the, the since years earlier. I had first met him in one of those uh, fateful days that I was playing golf. And it, it's, uh, it's easy to forget him except for the fun that I had. And part of the fun that I had that day back then was – uh, getting to listen to you and watch you do these crazy trick shots in your exhibitions. You do this one where you're the happy Gilmore shot, as I I think it was called, uh, where you're kind of yeah. like winding the club and uh, approaching the ball almost at a gallop. And then you time it out just right. And you wallop that ball. And it, it was like the best drive I'd ever seen before. I don't know how <laughs> you do that, but there's a lot of trick sh- shooters out there, aren't there?
1: Yeah, there are, and in my case, uh, I don't know how I do it either. You know, it's, uh, I've got a—that's—that <laughs> wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I've got a very simple swing. Uh, I just take it back and swing it through. And I think there's just three or four fundamentals you got to get in the golf swing. And what's crazy is I majored in physics, and uh, in school, and I found that if you just take natural ability and put physics with it, then things just fall in place. Yeah. The, but it's everybody's trying to override physics.
0: They're yeah. trying to make things happen that just won't happen and have good results. So in my case, I clearly didn't understand physics and I had absolutely no natural ability. So that's why my golf game stinks. That's why you're so good on radio. <laughs> had to find something else I could do. That's great. Oh my goodness. We were talking uh, earlier and I was laughing when I was telling Buddy, I said, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm less than average of a golfer and, and tell everyone your remark that you answered back. I told him that wasn't bad because everybody's bad. Enough. There's no <laughs> the average. average bad. Yes, <laughs> the average is bad. Yes, the average is bad. So I'm worse than bad, friends, and that's the way it is, buddy. You know, you when you do these things, you do all of these exhibitions right from the fly. You don't have a script. You're not really thinking things through. I know every group that you perform for. They're all different, aren't they? Yes. So it'd be difficult, I would think, to prepare, but you've got this natural ability to just stand up in front of all these people and somehow relate to them all. And I don't know what it is, if it's uh, like a little bit of just strong sense of self confidence that you have, uh, matched up with a, a real quick wit. I know it's, it's dry at times, but buddy, if there's one thing about you, it's a quick wit. It doesn't take you long to come up with something to say.
1: Yeah. I'm quick off the cuff. And yeah. for some reason I notice things about people. And even when I speak after the tournament and stuff, people will come up to me and I'm known a little bit as the Don Rickles of golf. <laughs> That's right. The, That's
0: right. and right. And you kind of insult people as you go, yeah, and you know, they love
1: it. We were walking through uh, one of the airports, and somebody came over and wanted to introduce me. To, they recognized me, and come to find out it was the president of A&T, AT&T. Uh-huh. And so the guy came over, and he said, Buddy, good to see you, and his name was John. I forgot his last name. And the guy with him wasn't sure who I was. He thought maybe I was a customer or something other <laughs> like that because here's his CEO and stuff. And the guy finally said, w- what What do you do, buddy? And John spoke up and said, we hire him to insult our customers. <laughs>
0: That's it. That's what you do. And you do it with a smile and people are dying laughing when you do it. And the other crazy thing is after I insult you,
1: you come up afterwards and want my autograph and a picture taken. <laughs> and I even think that is stupid.
0: <laughs> even you are amazed at that, right? <laughs> Well, it is really, really funny. And I've, I've, uh, can attest to the fact that watching you perform, you do some really, truly trick shots. Tell us about a few of those.
1: Uh, I take two clubs at a time, right-handed and left-handed and walk down a line of balls and hit them all. And then I'll, um, uh, maybe take, um, stack a couple of balls up and hit a shot and, uh, hit one on the green and catch the other one in my hand and throw it on the green and, uh, i do play blindfolded the uh, i did an exhibition years ago for the blind society at disney and for nine holes i shot 42 which is six, oh. six over par wow.
0: <laughs> blindfolded yeah that's just not fair man
1: but if you think about it as scripture you know the uh i don't want by sight i want by faith. <laughs> that's it <laughs>
0: And so you don't need to see in order to hit that ball. No. How, you, how do you address the ball? How do you know where the ball even is?
1: The If I'm doing it by myself, uh, I'll have the blindfold, pull it up, and I'll set the club down behind it, and then I'll pull the blindfold back down. Okay. But so that, you
0: have an original starting place there. Yeah.
1: Now, my caddy, when I did the thing at Disney, uh, he would set the club down behind the ball, but we would discuss – how far the shot is, whether I should curve it a little right or a little left, and that type thing. And I've always been able to try to figure things out. The, you know, I work on my own cars and all that kind of stuff. If I don't know what it is, I just take a part off and go into the shop and say, what is this? I need one of these. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is not working. Yeah, <laughs> that's but, great. Um, the, uh, I had one problem with the putting. The blind golfers, they can feel... 30 feet or 40 feet, and God just gave them a feel for how mm-hmm. hard to hit it. I couldn't do that part, so I told my caddy, Go stand next to the hole and talk to me, and I will put to your voice.
0: Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, so
1: that's the way it worked. Oh my goodness. And you shot a 42 on nine holes. Yeah, 42 and blindfolded. And the sad thing for Disney Corporation was the president of Disney uh, played with me and I beat him eight (laughs) shots
0: and his eyes were open. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the kind of humiliation that comes when you're a golfer, when you're not a golfer and you're a golfer (laughs) and that's what happens. Buddy, tell us some of the stories you've gotten all these years on the tour. What were some of the funny things that happened to you when you were traveling?
1: Oh gosh! Uh, probably one of the funniest one is, and of course, I've, had, I've done uh, four infomercials, uh, three golf infomercials, and one all on all company because I race cars for a
0: hobby. Okay, yeah, because golf's a little too dull. <laughs> <laughs> you race cars? Is that right? Yeah. Like at a. Uh- like, like one of these uh, weekend type of uh, funny car places or what?
1: The, uh, yeah, I do uh, drag racing and I do uh, road racing. Wow. The, uh, matter of fact, I just picked up a, another drag car and I don't know if Ruth's going to let me drive it, but. It's just a 57 Chevy with a 454 cubic inch engine in it. So, wow, you know, they'll hear me driving around the villages sometimes. <laughs> That's it.
0: And it's not a golf cart, right?
1: Right. <laughs> yes.
0: My goodness. The uh,
1: But uh, one of the funny ones she likes is uh, when you do the infomercials and people have also seen you in exhibitions and these type of things and speaking at churches or charities, The uh, there's always somebody going to recognize you. And a guy came up to me in the an airport, and he had some people with him. And he came over, and he said, oh, gosh, oh, I've seen your shots. You've Oh, this is so good. And he's telling everybody, this guy plays blindfolded, hits off his knees, and he's snapping his fingers looking at me like he's going to say who I am. <laughs> and finally, I thought he's not going to remember who I am. So I said,
0: Buddy Shelton. He said, no, no. <laughs> he thought you were kidding that's when you should have said jack nicholas that's who i am (laughs) Uh oh that's great oh my goodness buddy this is great when you're when you're traveling around how did pro golfers like at your level how did you get around from all of the places you played did you just book an airline ticket uh didn't have that much money Oh, you drove.
1: So I drove to quite a few. And I yes. I had a, a motorhome for a long time. Then, yeah. And even in the years of doing well with the trick shot exhibitions, I would travel in a motorhome to keep from unpacking and going to hotels. And I would just pull up to the golf course we're going to do the exhibition at and stay there for two days and pull out the umbrellas and cook a steak on the side of the motorhome and that type of stuff.
0: Hmm. what would be the most fun experience you've had on the road oh gosh uh that's a tough one
1: you know every place i go uh i find something fun to do uh and every event i do is just as funny to me as Mm -hmm. it is the people i'm entertaining and that's I know you weren't supposed to laugh at your own jokes, <laughs> but I get such a kick out of saying something that I know's funny, and then they back it up with all the fun. Yeah. And so the everything's fun. And, and of course, I'll, I'll tell you something that's kind of fun to me. Since I, everybody knows my trick shots, and most of them know that if I'm going to speak at dinner, I'm going to roast a few of the head guys. Yeah, that's right. And it's hilarious and I did a sh- and this is funny to me what people do I did a show at Boston University and uh, believe it or not they invited me back and I even <laughs> gave some testimony at each one. They invited me back for 10 years to speak at their annual sports banquet. You not that some- here's a good old redneck that flies uh, the flag <laughs> going to Boston University which is a little liberal the uh, but the first time I went up there, the executive vice president's assistant comes to me and she says, we know that you're pretty strong on roasting people and stuff. And here's a list of people that we don't think you should say something about. And I thought that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen Mm -hmm. because those people are dead. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They're they're not going to fight back.
1: If you think I'm going to skip these people, you're crazy.
0: <laughs> That's great. Oh, my goodness. What would be the most difficult experience that you can think of? When you think about a place that I go, oh, man, that was rough. Were, were there ever a moment where you had like what uh, the commercials would call a Southwest moment where you just wanted to disappear?
1: The the toughest one that I ever did, and I've been, my biggest crowds was 2,500 people. Uh, I was at the colonial in Fort Worth. My short, smallest crowd was three. The wow. And for an entertainer and I'm known as an entertainer more than I am I'm a professional golfer. I just entertain with a golf club. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the toughest one was it's grand Cypress, which is a resort here in Orlando. The, Company that put up the money to build Grand Cypress was the Dutch fund of something or another from Holland or something. And the king came over to visit. Oh my goodness. It was him and his wife and child. And I had to do an exhibition.
0: Only for them. Just for them. Now, so this, it wasn't that no one wanted to come to see your exhibition. It was a private exhibition for them. Yeah, it
1: was just a private thing. And I don't think he understood anything I said, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're cracking all these jokes. And you have to be careful now when you start to insult a king, right? (laughs) Well, I probably said something to insult him, but he probably didn't know it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, off with your head. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, know, thank goodness. And of course, neither one of them played golf, and, and the kid, all he wanted to do was get a golf ball and throw it somewhere. You know, so how
0: long did your exhibition last with that one? It
1: lasted 30 minutes, and that was the longest 30 minutes
0: of my life, I think. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> and the fact that you were doing this for a king was probably not uh, really helpful against that, right? Well, you know, I don't.
1: Uh, and it's funny you say that because somebody I went to a concert the other day and uh, the king didn't bother me. Nobody does. And uh, went to a concert and I picked up a CD. And like when I met you, I got some CDs from
0: uh, yes, Lauren yeah. Tally. Yeah, Lauren. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, everybody wants a CD signed, and the guys said, uh, "Yo man, just sign this to you." you and put the buddy, and I said, "No, I don't take autographs." And here's what's crazy. I played the Celebrity Golf Tour for 10 years with Larry Bird and uh, McMahon from Chicago Bears and Mm -hmm. all these guys. Jim McMahon, yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. (laughs) I never met anybody. uh, I mean, there were so many athletes on this Celebrity Golf Tour that you could just get autographs and sell them, whatever. But I told the guy the other night, I said, not to – put you down, not want your autograph. But I have decided a long time ago, when I meet somebody better than Jesus, then I'll get their autograph.
0: Mm. Mm. And so anyway. And there's no, no <laughs> autographs for buddy. Yeah. <laughs> he's never going to meet somebody better than Jesus.
1: And I'll, tell you, I'll tell you another funny one. Jim McMahon, and he's crazy. He plays golf uh, barefooted. And he cuts his, cuts his own grass and wears a Speedo to cut his grass. So his neighbors really love this. Oh,
0: but yeah. <laughs> Weird sight.
1: I was doing an event with Jim McMahon, and he got up to say a few words. And somebody in the crowd said, uh, you had to take a lot of medication when you were playing. And he said, yeah. He said, uh, it got to the point where uh, I don't even remember what the product was, but it was a bad one. But the doctor let him take one before the game and one during the halftime. And he said, but at the end of the first quarter, he said, I had to take another one. And at the end of the half, he said, I had to take two more before I went back out to the third quarter. And the guy said, how'd that affect you? He said, I think it helped. He said, because all my receivers were running in slow motion.
0: Oh, Oh, man. Yep. It was affecting him. All right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So in my travels, it's fun being with uh, CEOs of companies and celebrities and, and all that kind of thing. And, uh, as far as a King bothering me, uh, Ruth will tell you that, uh,
0: my self-confidence is pretty high. I can tell it is. And that's what makes you so funny. I mean, it, it's a real gift to see somebody roast people continually as you do and, And they all love it. The crowd was roaring the day that I, the first day that I saw you. And that's really fun too. What's the farthest away that you ever gave an exhibition?
1: Oh gosh, here I am. I'm a pilot and I should know, but which is further, Japan or Austria?
0: Oh my gosh. Well, (laughs) I couldn't answer that one either. Yeah, that's, so you've, you've been truly around the world. Yeah. And Japan
1: and Austria, I know it was 16 hours either way.
0: So wow. So now you're a pilot. We got just enough time. What kind of? uh, Do you still fly yourself now? No, I don't. I had a Beechcraft plane. Gosh, back
1: in the '70s, because my dad was a Beechcraft dealer up in Mm -hmm. South Carolina, and uh, I flew a little bit then. But it was one of those things where I did not do it for pleasure. You know, I flew it to get somewhere or go home and see the family in Mm -hmm. South Carolina. Or and uh, the other thing I would do is I would charter the plane out and had a guy that would people places. Is so. that
0: a bonanza? Is that what you have?
1: It was a beachcraft Baron. Okay. A baron. So, yeah. So basically it's a twin engine with a bonanza body.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful plane. I've been in it before. Yeah. I love it. My guest is Buddy Shelton. We'll be back for one more segment with Buddy. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening master's of science in clinical mental health Counseling an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back one more segment with Buddy Shelton. He is known by many golfers as a master of trick shots, of humor. He did play on the PGA tour for a number of years, made a living. It is tough, as we said, to make a living on the PGA tour, unless you're one of the premier golfers of the day, like what we see today with, uh, what do you think? First of all, this, this just comes to mind about this new league that's coming in and rivaling the PGA. What do you think about that? The lived tour?
1: You know, they've been talking about that for years. I think, uh, Greg Norman probably started talking about this 10 or 15 years ago. And basically it's an all-star game. And, um, at first the PGA tour was a little upset and everything, but it's kind of funny what they've done in the last year to, uh, make the PGA tour better because they're giving guys money. Now I think they give $500,000 to everybody that qualifies at the first of the year. And back when I played, uh, I tried to get them. If if you didn't make the cut Thursday and Friday, then you uh, didn't get anything. Right. And I said, well, take something away from the guys up front. The first three are making three or four hundred thousand dollars. If you took uh, five hundred bucks from them or a certain amount, let's say twenty grand, they wouldn't notice it. And spread it amongst the 70 guys that didn't make anything. Yeah. Because they're out the money.
0: Yeah. At least yeah. we'd
1: have expense money. And, yeah. but now they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and it comes to mind uh, you talk about funny things that happen. Uh, uh, somebody asked me one time after I spoke, they said, um, and I, I open it up for questions a lot of times when I speak and at the exhibitions. And the guy said, You being a, a Christian and stuff, how would you feel about playing on Sundays? And I said, they play on Sundays.
0: <laughs> you never done that. Never made the cut is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I had
1: standard reservations with Greyhound every Friday night.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Just assume that Buddy's not going to make the cut. Oh, my goodness. Well, you made the cut with uh, how you've done it, and that's beautiful. You said something earlier. I would like, if you can, to kind of go back to that for a moment about the role of evangelism in the life of a believer. We're all called to be an evangelist in one way or another. We're all called to share the and to be a witness for the Lord.
1: That's one of my biggest arguments uh, with the Christian community. The, um, a friend of mine, close friend, good guy, uh, goes to a church, I uh, won't name any churches or anything, but so many times, especially in the political side that we've gone through with Trump and all this stuff, uh, we visited his church, and uh, they did a, kind of a little Trump rally before they got into the, the message. And this is an ongoing type thing, and uh, even the pastor asked me, uh, he saw me at, at uh some kind of party, a birthday party for one of his uh, parishioners or something other. And he uh, asked me, he said, buddy, I hadn't seen you come visit us anymore. And he said, when are you gonna come back? And I said, when y'all quit teaching politics from the pulpit. <laughs> I said, the deal is evangelism. It's nothing to do with politics. And so I asked the friend of mine that goes there, I said, you know what? I said, I know that uh, you you've got a good Christian church, but if i ask you to go there and say how many of you have shared with somebody now you got 200 people sitting there how many of you have shared the lord with anybody in the last year i'll bet money you won't find 20 people that's a problem
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay the i believe that anytime i meet anybody i'm going to say something that shows them and i'm not even sure what You know, but it's going to be some kind of thing that leads them to the Bible or Jesus or something, because I don't believe in coincidences or just a happening. Mm -hmm. I think anytime that somebody comes in my presence, that Lord has sent somebody to me to say something to Mm -hmm. waitress doesn't matter. Mechanic doesn't matter.
0: And then when you do that, I know a lot of people you've mentioned this, a lot of people are glad to have you share your faith in even large corporate gatherings. So you've not been afraid to do that even in those moments.
1: No. And of course I lost a lot of business. Uh, I don't want to say that I've been persecuted, but I think I know what persecution is. And probably back in early two thousands shows started dropping off and exhibitions did. And, um, guys would come to me and say, you know, we really love you. My customers love you and stuff. But a couple of them has said, you shouldn't have put Jesus into this or, or whatever. And, and it's simple things. And, and I'll share something with you real quick in a minute. But, um, one guy, uh, wanted me to do three shows for some, uh, casinos up on the Ohio river. And, um, we had a, everything set a good amount of the pay And he said, uh, what size shirt you wear? And I said, wear a large. And he said, we got some casino shirts we would like you to wear when you're here and doing your exhibitions. I was going to be there for a week. And I said, "Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I can't wear a shirt that's got the casino on it. And he said, why not? And I said, I'm not promoting a casino. I'm going to entertain your guest. But if I put a shirt on or it says on my golf bag, then people are gonna think that I am promoting that, mm-hmm.
0: and I'm you're not endorsing doing, it. Yeah. yeah,
1: I'm not doing that. And and he said, so you're gonna pass up a three week or a three show to one week deal because of a shirt. And I said, I guess so. And he said, uh, are you well off? And I said, no, but my father is. And he said, what's your father do? I said, he owns all the cattle on all these hills. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know so. And it's it's funny, after that statement, he became more religious in our talk, in our conversation. Mm. So you don't have to pull out the Bible and thump on it and everything. You just put in one little
0: thing. Yeah. Your courage to make a stand in that moment. Uh, It seems that so many people today are not making that kind of a stand today, and that's something that we need to do, right? Totally. And
1: because when Jesus ascended, that's what he told us to do, I think. And then he say, go out and evangelize. Mm-hmm.
0: You'll be my witnesses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And nobody says
1: anything. And uh, Ruth will tell you that uh, people, oh, I'm afraid of offending somebody. And I got in a discussion with my daughter the other night. She was talking about one of her friends in her neighborhood in Atlanta that uh, she's been Friends with this woman for quite a while and uh, the woman uh is homosexual or gay whatever you want to call it and she drinks and she's jewish which doesn't really have anything to do with it and uh i asked my daughter i said when are you going to sh- share with her she said well i'm nice to her she knows where i stand she knows i believe in jesus and and this and that and i said no i'm when are you going to ask her if she were to die today, what's going to happen? Why can't people get to that point? I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And as far as doing it at a golf event, and um, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. God puts things on my heart while I'm doing something, and it just comes to me. If he knows that you are got a little bit of education <laughs> <laughs> into what's going on, and you've got some boldness, and you know you've been around me. You know I'm bold. Mm-hmm. I'll say anything.
0: <laughs> you know, it's true, and I'm not even
1: one of these guys that says after I said it I don't think. Did you really say that?
0: Yeah. No. You took my breath away a couple of times, buddy. When yeah. I heard you, I'm thinking, how is this guy going to get punched? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably said a lot of times.
0: The um, but we're we're
1: afraid to say something. And I, and I just can't understand that because sooner or later, and I think it's Francis Assisi said something about if your actions don't do it sooner or later, you got to open your mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And one thing that I've used with golf tournaments, uh, Barna did, uh, a survey on golf tournaments, a hundred golfers and they found that, uh, 35 to 55% had problems with divorce, financial problems, addictions, alcohol, pornography. Went through the whole list, you know, and I thought, gosh, they've got a long list of things that people are having problems with. And one of the last tournaments I did, I got up there and I said, I want to speak to you about a survey that was made. And I named this 35 to 55%. And I said, and I think the percentage is wrong. Not that it should be lower. It's probably higher because somebody (laughs) be (laughs) lied. Right? You weren't being truthful. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Two of the people out of 100 had thought about suicide. Oh. And so now it, I just, we're talking golf. We're talking about a survey to Mm -hmm. golfers. So let me tell you something. God can solve those problems. And I've got a book, and I pass it out a lot, of 2,000 promises that God gives in the Bible to make your life better. Mm -hmm. And if you want some of that stuff solved, you've got to go to Jesus. That's all there is to it. Mm. And unfortunately, there's no standing ovations. (laughs) Right. It, It gets awful quiet, and one or two people will come up and say, thanks for your courage.
0: Yeah. You spoke the truth. And sometimes in this day and age, especially, we don't uh, want to hear the truth. Yeah. People don't want to hear it. And they act offended if you share something at all about the Lord. And if you mention, like you said earlier, you mentioned Jesus by name. They, they only know that one way. And that is in slaying or cursing tones. That's the only time they'll ever uh, acceptably want to hear that thing. Right, then that, that name, which is the the name above all names, but buddy, you've done it consistently, and you've found a way to weave humor and fun, and even like you said, some cynical tones of mm-hmm. uh, being insulting in a fun way to people, and it it's just a wonderful experience to have been in one of your, I've actually been in two of them in your exhibitions and to watch you do these marvelous tricks. You've been retired from this type of thing, but you still give some exhibitions, right?
1: Yeah, I still do it. You're still out there. The only thing that retired me was COVID, you know, because we couldn't have uh, golf tournaments anymore. And even if they have one, they don't have a time of eating together or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing now is, uh, Hopefully, falling back on my who I am and what I've done uh, to get me into churches to uh, speak to men's groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of them have church golf tournaments, which I can help them with. uh, But I would love to
0: go and talk to a men's uh, ministry. Well, there you go, friends, if you're listening to this and you would like a real innovative speaker for your men's ministry, Buddy Shelton is the man. Buddy, give us how people can contact you.
1: Buddy at BuddyShelton.com.
0: That's easy. So you have your own domain, your own website then at www.BuddyShelton.com. And that's Shelton, S-H-E-L-T-O-N. Correct. Yeah, and you can get in touch with them, and uh, I know that you're in the Central Florida area. Uh, I know Buddy would love to come, and friends, I can give you a personal word. This man is the real deal. He's hilarious, but he loves the Lord as well. It's really been a delight to have you. What are your hopes for 2023, Buddy?
1: On the way down
0: to see, I told my wife, uh,
1: we were thinking about moving somewhere, but The Villages is uh, a great mission field. Uh, They've got 100 churches, and I would like
0: to speak in every church uh, once a week. Wow. All right. That's a great goal to have. Well, our friends in the Villages, there you go. Hopefully, uh, you can use Buddy this year, and it would be great if you did. I know your congregation will love it. Buddy Shelton, my guest today, And we thank you, friends, for joining us as well in this new year. We'll be back tomorrow right here on The Shepherd.